0: All right, so welcome to the Fuck Therapy Podcast. Today, I am talking to Lucy. I am incredibly excited. Lucy is an incredible woman with a diverse background. She has overcome trauma in the past. She's a successful, educated woman now. And welcome, Lucy.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: This is really exciting. So typically, the first thing we do, as you know, we don't do a whole heap of preparation to get into these things. And you kind of write in for that. You just like to shoot from the hip.
1: I do, (laughs) literally sometimes. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) So tell us a bit about you.
1: Well, oh, God, I don't really know where to start But because I have my own YouTube channel as well and I introduce myself in a certain way and I don't really want to do it like that, like list off what it is that I do. But basically, at the moment, I um, work in the adult industry as a porn star and an escort.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And how long have you been doing that for?
1: About five years. Five years. Yes. i so new to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So five years is, is considered new in the industry?
1: Yeah. Yeah. For someone my age, yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and your age, so you're cracking on to 21 now?
1: <laughs> Actually, no, I'm really happy to be over 40. I'm 41.
0: <laughs> Good to hear someone that's happy to be over 40. I... Um, I often talk to people that come to me that have suffered traumas and they're often talking about 40 as being sort of this end period of life because we're now old. And I'm like, I'm 49. And I'm like, wow. no, you are not calling 40 old. <laughs> <laughs> no. I ain't having it. And I think, you know, uh, and this is some of the things that we're going to dig into. You've got, you know, a significant past. The difference is at this age, we carry intellectual property. Yes. Right? Lessons, wisdom, knowledge, and experience. Mm -hmm. It's like, sure, we can't run 100 metres as quick as we used to, but we don't want to.
1: No, that's exactly right. (laughs) I have less desire to do that than ever. It's so nice. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) absolutely absolutely so tell us tell us a bit about the lead up because on this podcast we talk about a whole host of things so many of the women that are listening to have suffered from childhood Mm -hmm. traumas marital traumas and these sorts of things so just run us through a little bit of your background whatever you feel comfortable about sharing and then we'll start digging into some other stuff
1: yeah okay so Basically, my history goes a little bit like this. My childhood was fairly normal, I think. But then when I turned into a teenager, around the age of 15, 16, my dad left home and left me with my mother and my, my sister. And she was an alcoholic and quite abusive, very emotionally abusive um, and occasionally physically abusive as well. And so for the last couple of years that I was at home in high school, it was pretty hard to deal with. Um but I was just like getting through the motions until I could leave and go to university. And I did that and survived little did I know that that would carry on, um, as trauma later on in life. But also what I found is I met my ex husband when I was about 21 and I didn't realize until later, but he was basically my mother and, and I married him and, um, about a year into the marriage, I realised I was with the wrong person. He was um, very angry, very emotionally abusive, but at that stage it was still early days, so it wasn't really obvious that he was being abusive. I didn't actually realise until I started my psychology degree about eight years into the marriage. But he was uh, condescending, very angry and bitter, so there was silent treatment if he was mad at me. There were times I would be scared of him because he would be very angry and I just wouldn't know how he would react to anything, so it'd be a lot of walking on eggshells, and there was a yeah. lot of intimidating looks and expressions and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I went from like a, a my teen years of emotional abuse to my twenties being emotionally abused. It was uh, not not good.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. funny. I was I was talking to a woman just before from America. And we were talking about different levels of psychological abuse that manipulative people can put you through. And quite often, one of the things we were talking about is quite often the abuse isn't always the obvious things that they do do. There's so many things that they don't do. Yes. The abuse.
1: I'm Um, so glad you said it like that because I never really thought of it like that before, but you're exactly right.
0: Yeah, so it's the type of thing where your partner may not tell you you're beautiful, yet go out in public and go, wow, she's beautiful, or see a friend and give her a cuddle and go, wow, you look beautiful, and, and you sit yes. there going, I wish you would speak to me that way, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Or Or they, they know your insecurities
1: mm. and
0: then they might pick on someone else with that same insecurity and talk about it really derogatory.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So it's a subliminal shot to you. And then when you turn around and say, Oh, so how do you feel about me? They then gaslight you and go, You're being stupid. I never said that. Of course I love, I never said I've got a problem. And they completely, but they're sending you a message, an underlying message. So um, yes. Yeah, it's interesting. Just when you went there, it sort of felt like it could fit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that sort of thing would happen. But there was just also a lot of confusing behavior as well in terms of. We, we were quite open sexually like we had a good sex life and everything and we started playing around with swinging like early on like after my son was born so like 2 years into the marriage yeah. but he we what we really should not have done that the relationship was not stable enough to be talking about swinging or anything like that but he would want me to flirt with other couples even recommended I go hook up with people and when I wouldn't just because of circumstance the next day he would say cause he'd worked away a lot as well. And he would say, Oh, you didn't hook up with them. Did you? And I'll be like, no. And he'd be like, Oh, well, fucking thank God, because that would be disgusting. You slut, that sort of thing. So yeah. one minute he'd say, I want you to tell me that you've just gone out and had sex with a stranger. But then the next day he'd be like, don't you dare fucking do that. Yeah. And so there was a lot of that sort of thing. Like, yeah. yes, you can do anything and be anything, but then, when I'd want to go get my psychology degree, oh, no, I don't think that's a very good idea. That that wouldn't be good at all for this yeah. family, blah, 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 that sort of thing. So there was a lot of confusing back and forth. Yeah. And I just, I was just at a loss as to what to do. And if I ever, I always start like little ventures and if it failed, you'd be like, oh, not another, not another failed failed venture and that sort of thing. And everything was always the, oh, I was just about to say my real name then. Uh, (laughs) My stage name is Lucy Power. He was like, oh, everything's the Lucy show. It's always the Lucy show. If I wanted to do something for myself. And so I felt like I was being selfish all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well it's interesting what you said there you look at it and you go and I'm not necessarily saying he's a narcissist or not but you know yeah. that definitely falls into that spectrum anyway of sexual narcissism um mm. because quite often in that particularly in that swinging sense or that flirtatious sense he's sending you into a situation The coercion around you having a level of empowerment, yeah, um, using these things that once you then do it, he can then turn around and spit in your face, going, "You dirty whore!" Like,
1: yes, bring
0: you down for the very thing that he encouraged you to do. Then, when you look at doing a psychology degree, which is something that will empower you from within, yeah, terrifies the shit out of me.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it. it Caused the most arguments in our marriage when I started that psychology degree because he knew that I was going to start learning things yeah. about relationships and about behavior and we fought so much over it and <laughs> I almost didn't finish my degree but I was so adamant right in the end we actually ended the marriage the week that my thesis was due yep and uh so I actually wanted
0: to ask you about this very point
1: Yes. Because yes, you did
0: so- cover it on your live and I was left ambiguous going, did you complete the degree but just didn't finish the final exam or something or final thesis or did you not actually get to do it? So you completed the degree and yeah. you, and you just didn't get that last thesis done.
1: No, I did get it done. You
0: did get it done. Because
1: <laughs> what I did was we ended... The week that it was due, so I um, got an extension from my supervisor. I said, look, I just need as long of an extension as I can get because I want to finish this. I've worked four years for this fucking degree. (laughs) I'm not going to let him sabotage another thing of mine. And they gave me a one-week extension, and it was like this. I would cry for an hour while he's banging on the door because I kicked him out, locked him out, banging on the door of the house. I'd cry. Once he's gone, I'd write for an hour. Then yeah. I'd cry for an hour. Then I'd write for an hour. And my week went, that was my week, a whole week. Yeah. With the kid trying to sell out, the kids, I, I, like, I can't even really remember what happened in that week because it was a blur. Like my marriage ended and I had this crazy psycho ex banging on my door and I had to write a 10,000-word fucking thesis. And um, and I did what, it. Just I out said, of
0: interest, what was, the, what was the thesis on?
1: It's on uh, motivating healthy adults to exercise more in the gym. <laughs>
0: it's an interesting mind space to be in while all that is going on
1: i was so focused like i i, I was doing a really good job you know yeah. and i didn't want it i didn't want to fail and but at that stage i really just wanted to submit so i could pass and just get the degree yeah i can't wait to tell you like the results i got after but anyway it's that that was what happened right in the end now i lost my train of thought. what were what were we talking about Oh, you you were watching the live and yeah. you wanted to know if I'd actually do it. Yes, I submitted it. After that, I had to move out of the house on my own with next to no money and get a job. I couldn't go into my clinical master's. That's what I couldn't do because I had to get a full-time job. So I'm not oh. a registered psychologist yet. Yes. I've got my degree and my thesis and I when I got my results, I was at home in my new house with my kids and I collapsed on the floor crying slash laughing because I got a high distinction yes. for, for my thesis. I got 86%. <laughs>
0: what did you get? one
1: of the highest, 86%, which is one of the highest in the class. Wow. Yeah. My kids were like, Mom, are you okay? Are you happy or are you crying? I'm like, I'm so fucking happy right now. Crying. Because <laughs> I worked so hard in that degree as well because that last year, it that year probably contributed to the downfall of the marriage as well because he worked away a little bit but that last year I was on my own raising the three kids and studying this degree full-time and it fucking killed me yeah Mm. yeah Yeah. so So he didn't get the attention he needed as well so I was really focused on that degree and that thesis he didn't get the attention that he needed but also I was checked out of the marriage probably even the year before that I was done and I feel like I was probably trying to complete the degree and focus on that so that I had uh, something to fall back on for when I left him.
0: Yeah, sure. So does that mean you've got a double degree?
1: Uh no, I don't, but I've got I've got two degrees. My first degree I got straight out of high school, which was a visual communication and graphic design. Yeah. So that was done like 10 years prior to the psychology one. Yeah.
0: And what about the research scientist? Is that
1: um no, that I just got a job as a research assistant. Oh ah, right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. So yeah. okay. So okay. So so you, <laughs> what we're talking. You you you've, you're a very intelligent woman.
1: Yeah, I, I I admit that I'm smart. Yeah. Yeah, that's Except awesome. Except, I, I feel like I lost half of my brain when um I injured my back a couple of years ago. So I'm also a professional bodybuilder and I won a world title in 2018. Uh during that preparation, I herniated my L4 L5 back and a uh, disc. Yep. And uh, I, I basically couldn't walk for three months. And um, I was on pain medication, like maximum pain medication. I now understand why people take their lives when they're in pain because I've never felt this sort of pain before in my life. And I've given birth to three children and I thought my life was over and the pain meds were so strong. I, um, I couldn't talk properly. I couldn't think of certain words. It still has an after effect on me now. And I think this is why I force myself to be in the public space and speak publicly. It's actually really challenging for me because I'm not even half as articulate as I used to be because right. I still struggle to think of certain words, just basic words that you would think of every day, like bread. I would be like, you know, that thing. I'd be kids, what's that thing that we put in the toaster You know, I need to get some more of that. We put it in the toaster. We cook it every morning for breakfast. They're like, red? I'm like, that's it. That's the word I was looking for. That is is the impact that the pain medication had on me and my memory as well. So it's pretty fucked at the moment.
0: Well, listen, I've got experience in that space. I mean, listen, before we we go into that, you just danced over the top of the fact that you won a world championship. Like, you just, like... You won a world championship?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a. So for a natural bodybuilding competition in 2018, uh, they held the universe titles here in Brisbane. So I was fortunate enough to compete, and I compete in like figure and physique categories. Figure and physique. And yep. on the, on the day, I won by default, but I'm still taking this as a fucking win. Okay, so on the day, I didn't win. I, I won my classes, but then in the overall category, yeah. I didn't win, and it was another girl. And I was like, okay, great, well done, that's whatever, fantastic. I also couldn't walk or feel my leg from my knee down because I had my herniated disc, so I had, like, numbness. A couple of weeks later, I got a call from the CEO of the Federation saying, oh, we've just stripped Natasha of her title because she tested positive for banned substances, so you now won. <laughs> You're the winner.
0: <laughs> well, so listen, did, and, and and rightly so.
1: Yeah, well, I did win. If she well, hadn't particularly taken those substances... in that industry,
0: so we all know what the substances do and how much they help you. Um, So, I mean, that's a significant achievement. And in that industry, so many people do not understand, right, Mm -hmm. what it takes to look like that. Oh, my God. I I understand it very, very well. I've been in the gym for years and have done nothing that even compares to what you've done. Um, (laughs) But I've also worked with people that have. And in order to look that way, you've got to take your body, particularly for the last minimum eight weeks if not longer out of your hormone cycles out of out of this world to yeah. achieve that figure for that moment on stage and it yes. is scientific
1: yeah oh yes uh, that's my life
0: it. commitment so okay so so the reality is you don't fuck around
1: no i don't i it is <laughs> go hard or go home when it comes to me
0: absolutely love it Absolutely love it. Um, I understand what you went through and what you said. Then I've, when I finally collapsed under a horse. Wow. When I got my scans done, I had done the four bottom discs were disintegrated. Well, three bottom discs were disintegrated, and the third one was prolapsed. I had broken my fifth lumber in half, and that was floating below my coccyx. Uh, below the top of my coccyx my coccyx was broken in three places i had par's defects spondylolisthesis so i get that pain i get the pain medication because i got on the pain medication and there is no pain medication for it that actually works all it does is fucking constipate (laughs) (laughs) you.
1: that's right exactly
0: (laughs) and 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 i understand the road to recovery too so you know people sort of say you know how do you stay so motivated like i train constantly and it's like my life has to be because I yes. need those those support muscles because that's the only thing that's going to keep me alive yeah um, you have
1: to keep training my physio said you can't stop training and lifting never. you just have to use perfect form now yep. don't lift too heavy and you have to keep going or else then your muscles will get tighter on your back and you'll get worse yeah so I'll always train I don't think I'll ever compete again but yeah I'll always train
0: well after I broke my back I competed in motocross oh wow um, I competed both nationally and internationally in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, oh, excellent! You know, I hold national titles and those sorts of things. So it's like life can happen afterward. Yes. But yeah, I know what it's like. And most of those things, you can. That's not. That's not smart management of my injury. That's just me being a bit of a dumb ass going.
1: You're just a high achiever.
0: It's just that I'm like, as soon as someone tells me what I can't do, I'm like, "Fuck you!" You know, <laughs> it's yeah. not happening.
1: I'm a little bit like that. As well, I, I have this need and desire to constantly achieve, and I think it's probably related a little bit to you know um, being abused or whatever as as a teenager and in my early twenties. I constantly just need to be doing better and wanting more all the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we, we've got through some pretty exciting stuff already, yeah. and told some pretty incredible stories. So you've now got out of this relationship you've got no money you're trying to look after kids you're yep. educated yeah where did we go from there
1: yeah well I was running out of money fast and I couldn't pay my bills and a good friend of mine was setting up a profile on an escorting website because she was in a lot of debt and she says I'm just going to do the short term to pay off my debt and I was helping her set it up you know taking photos and stuff for her and I'd never really heard of escorting before but I knew that I would probably get some good work because I filled it in a niche that wasn't available as escorts, and that was like a tattooed fitness model, a legitimate fitness model with tattoos, with the face out and everything. And I know I look good. I've got a pretty face. I'm good with people. I'm good in bed. And I'm like, can I do it? Like morally am I able to have sex with people for money? I don't know. Yeah. But I'm just going to give it a go I just have because I have to. I'm desperate. I need to try it. And in the first week, I earned so much money. I've never earned that much money before, and I was just like, fuck, this is excellent. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. And, yeah, and so I just kept going. And it slowed down. There's, like, ups and downs. You might have a whole month where you don't have any work, and then you get really tired and you don't want to see people and all this sort of stuff. It's very emotionally draining because you're putting in all that energy, you know, to a booking Um, But that's how I got into escorting yeah. and I only did that part-time while I continued in research because I just wanted to make sure I didn't really ever want to do it full-time because I didn't want to rely on it just in case it was, you know, unreliable as it can be. But then when my research contract finished, I thought, well, I may as well just give it a go. And I jumped in full-time and it was the best decision I ever made. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: But that's so, how I was able to look after myself. But I had to actually keep it really quiet because, and that's why I set up a different name, yeah. because my husband was so much more abusive to me after we separated. And I was so scared that he would use it against me to take the kids away from me. Yeah. The only thing I had going for me was the fact that he worked away. He did FIFO. So there's yeah. no way he'd even be able to take the kids unless he quit his job.
0: Mm. yeah absolutely so yeah. for those that don't understand what escorting is mm. i think most people have a perception of yeah. what it is yeah tell us what it is tell us from your perspective what is it you know yeah let's go there to start with
1: yeah well i just like to call it like a service of intimacy that's yep. what it is yep at the nicest point or you know It's allowing people to be free and open sexually in a trustworthy and non-judgmental space. Yep. So it covers so many different, so much variety in terms of men and women and couples and their personalities and the reasons for why they want to see an escort. And people just think it's seedy and sleazy and dirty and dangerous, and it's just none of those things at all. I mean, of course, unless the person wants to incorporate sleazy role play into a booking, that's fine. But it's not It's not. But that
0: leads more into fantasy, doesn't it, than...
1: Yeah, that's fantasy, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people, if it's a married man who wants to see me, sometimes he has permission from his wife who's no longer interested in sex or no longer or not wanting to indulge a particular kink, you know. I've I've um, seen clients who are doctors who don't have time to have a relationship but they're entitled to intimacy and sex, yep. you know, and I've had people who have um intellectual disabilities who wouldn't be able to go pick up a woman in a bar or tinder or whatever because they are socially awkward they deserve intimacy so yeah. i think i'm doing a service a good service an important service to the community and that's why i love it
0: yeah absolutely and as far as your rights what do yeah. you, what rights do you have as an, as an escort
1: um, well, it's a bit, it's a bit blurry and not totally safe here because it's even though it's legal, it's not fully decriminalised. So we can get in trouble for certain things which don't make any sense whatsoever, and the laws really need to change. Like I, uh, I can work as an escort and, and earn money and all that sort of stuff. You still have to, you know, claim your earnings and pay tax, which is what I do. But things like I can't tell anyone where I'm going, so I can't disclose. The location of a hotel or an address to anyone about a booking which is unsafe so I still do that so I I break the law by telling my partner I'm seeing a new client at this location and I should be finished by this time if I haven't messaged within like half an hour call the police you know so we need to fix some of the laws to help to help with that we can't have drivers and security and stuff like that as well so if we okay. had some more support that way it would be a lot safer and it's um still illegal i think to be an independent sex worker in adelaide you can work in a brothel so the laws are different in each state yep. and um yeah but but essentially it's legal in most states yep. in australia
0: yeah now just to clear a few things up i talk a lot about consent yes right where does consent fit into this space?
1: Well, just because someone's paying for a service doesn't mean they can do whatever they want to at all. Yep. So I think it, it's just assumed treatment of res- respect and all of that sort of stuff and boundaries. Most people will know that, you know, you've got to use protection and that, that you just treat the person with respect and kindness and don't get rough or anything like that. Yep. Um So... If, if anyone were to do anything to me or try to do anything to me that I didn't like or didn't want to happen, I would just say, no, that's not happening. And that has happened maybe like, you know, two or three times in the last five years for me. And they've said, okay, most of the time. And I had one person who was a little bit pushy, tried to constantly have sex with me without a condom. And I just kept having to say no and push him off me. And I was strong in that position. So I didn't feel overpowered or scared at all. He was giggly and he was an older man, actually. He was probably 60 years old. He was giggly and trying to be playful. But I just said, no, that's not right. And that's not happening. And then I'd block his number and not deal with him again. But the problem with that is there might be a younger woman who doesn't have the same sort of confidence to say no and turn that person down. So sometimes people can get a bit pushy. Yeah
0: so to a younger woman you know because one of the things that that we want to clear up here is that effectively you are providing a service and as the service provider you have the right to create the rules
1: yes absolutely
0: you know so to any young women because it's one of those areas where we talk about consent and we sort of shoot over a few different things but it's like for me I'm married I've been married for nearly 22 years and wow. I still have to have consent mm. to be intimate yeah. with my wife.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Right, She owes me nothing. Mm. And so often in relationship, people go, no, if we're in a relationship, no, it, it's a given. You just do as you're, you, we're, we're having sex and I don't, and it's like, no, no, no. no. So where it ex- extends out to this mm. in your space, consent still sits in, the, in, in its same place. You have to accept, you have to be willing and give consent for anything to happen.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's about communication as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you just have to be able to communicate. And I think in a, a sex worker client relationship, it's it's almost easier because you have a set of rules. And quite often I set I will send like a list of notes of what is allowed to happen in a booking. And, and if people have questions around anything outside that booking, they'll ask and I'll say yes or no. Yeah. So it's easy because it's a transaction. I think yeah. it's sometimes harder in a relationship because there is sort of like an expectation there. And if there isn't much communication, then there could be a lot of non-consensual intimacy, sex going on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things that I've actually discovered is that in the escort space and in the adult entertainment porn space, in the mm-hmm. kink world, there seems to be a whole lot more respect for consent <laughs> yeah. than outside of it.
1: Yes, absolutely. So we could learn something from the adult industry in terms of consent and all of that sort of thing. It's so important in, especially in porn, because you have to fill out a consent form. Yeah. When you're filming professional porn. Yeah. And And even in the kink space, like when I go to swingers' parties and stuff like that, before you approach anyone that you've never met before, you have to ask consent. You're not allowed to just touch anyone. You have to say, may I touch? Is it okay to touch? You have to get consent. So I think that the adult industry, the porn industry or whatever, the kink world can really teach the normal world or the non-kink or non-porn world a few things about consent.
0: Well, there's no question about it. It seems the <laughs> higher level of of it's kind of like when you look at the sports industry. You've been a fitness model, and you look at day to day doctors. They're about ten years behind sport medicine. Oh, right? they really are. <laughs> and you look at the same thing. You go normal relationship in, or, or or that space seems to be a decade behind the consent sitting. You know, yeah. in 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 this professional services side of it. You know, yes. which we see. You know, and has a there is so much negative connotation around it, you know, and that's Mm. why we really want to touch on some of these subjects to go, no, 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 you know, sure, there is some of the shit that you see in movies and that, but remember, that's fucking movies, right? We're not, We're not not operating at that level, you know. So anyway, you did a great little segue there, you know, from Escort into talking about pornography. So you then somehow transitioned into into that world. Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, so I when I started as an escort, I set up a Twitter page because that's, how, that's another way that you can advertise. And I developed this little cult following quite quickly and one of my fans tagged me in an Australian porn company's tweet requesting new talent. And so I saw that. I was like, okay, cool. And then they contacted me and asked if I'd be willing to shoot with them. And I'm an exhibitionist and I love performing and I've always been filming myself anyway because I've had OnlyFans for five years. So right. even before I filmed in professional porn, I was filming myself. I've always been kinky and exhibitionistic like that anyway. I'd film myself, send it to my boyfriends and lovers all the time. Yeah. So it just seemed like a normal extension for me to do that. And I did it and I loved it. It was fun. Yeah, and and so I did a few scenes for a couple of different companies, and now just produce all my own stuff, and that's yep. how I got into it. And I've gone to the states to film a couple of things as well. So
0: yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's definitely interesting. So I don't know much about you know you get into that industry, and, and I know there's different categories. There's different you know there's stuff that you go. I don't even know what the headings mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) But when you go into, I don't know, I know kinks, they call them a scene. When you're doing porn, is it a scene? Is it a shoot? Is it a...
1: We call it a scene.
0: You call it a scene, right? Yeah. Because one of the things I talk to people about is behind the scenes. You know, I speak to a lot of people that think what they see as the end produced product (laughs) is what sex is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's terrible. (laughs)
0: so so from the horse's mouth (laughs) tell us how different is real life sex to the filming of pornography
1: it is so different to the filming of professional pornography correct yeah so and i think there is a big problem with porn in that in that regard it is not real most dicks are not ten inches big. <laughs> Most women do not have <laughs> fake tits and perfect tight little vaginas that they've actually had surgery on. Yeah, you know, it, a lot of that, especially the American produced and European produced stuff, is it's fake. Yeah. Um, And that's why a lot of what I do now is amateur. I prefer amateur porn, and I produce as much amateur stuff as I can because I want it to be real. So I try to make sure that the stuff that I produce and film is more realistic than just a scene of blowing the Domino's delivery guy or whatever. Although in my real life I probably would do that because I am a little bit kinky. (laughs) 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 But that's why people follow me because they know I'm, like I have reclaimed the term slut because I am that but I own that and I'm okay with that. And I don't give me
0: it. your definition of slut.
1: I, I think just sexually promiscuous, but really like loving sex and enjoying giving it and receiving it, but and with it being fully consensual and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. I think and having sex with lots of different partners and sharing the love and all that sort of stuff. You know, yeah. and just being open and just really appreciating what sex can be and exploring chinks and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. and just being open about it and talking about it. But also I think it's maybe a little bit of a mindset as well because when I think of slut, I think of like dirty talk as well. So it's it's actually being able to be in that mindset of being able to talk dirty and use dirty words and sort of present yourself in a very sexy, revealing way. So I do think it is sort of along those lines. But yeah. and, and that is me. Like I'm, I'm both the, the mum academic and slut. I'm
0: yeah. all of those things. Yeah. I mean, it's a package there. <laughs> that's,
1: that's why my boyfriend loves me so
0: much. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the question most people ask is, is how do you run, you know, now I know when you're on live, you'd just finished a scene and your husband or your partner, your boyfriend, was in the background editing one of your scenes.
1: Yes, right? yes, yes.
0: So how, how do you run that relationship in this world?
1: Well, I think I'm just really fucking lucky to tell you the truth. He, <laughs> my boyfriend, he's incredible. He just has, uh, he's just really secure yep. in his manhood and in his being as a human. He is secure and he trusts me. And yep. he knows that I'm with him at the end of the day because I love him and he gets all of me. Yep. He gets the performer, he gets the mum, he gets the girlfriend experience without having to pay for it.
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but, and, do you know what I mean? So he he gets the real me, and and it, it comes down to trust, communication, and all of that sort of thing. And I think he's also got the side of me who really wanted to improve myself. So the problems with my ex husband weren't just on him; half of it was me too, because I had zero ability in communicating out of fear. Well, I didn't know weird. how to communicate, and yeah. so I didn't want those same problems to come across into this relationship. So I've made it a conscious effort with him to communicate and sit down. And I often say to him, look, it's time to check in. I'm comfortable with anything that I've done, said, or any way that I've behaved because it's important we do it because of the the type of work that I do. And and so we're always checking in and everything. But I think it's also because so he's secure, but he also gets to have his fun as well. Like we swing together and I'm a very open-minded person, so I'll bring other people into the relationship for sex and all that sort of stuff. So he gets to have fun.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. Um, and it's one of those areas, how do you maintain, and, and you've kind of just touched on that because one of the questions I had was how do you maintain, Depend if you've got a busy work week, right, how do you maintain a busy work week and also maintain a healthy boyfriend-girlfriend sex life?
1: Yeah. Does that um, become
0: something that's hard to juggle or...?
1: Not for me because I have a really high libido, so I could probably have sex at least twice, three times a day and I'd be fine. More than anything, my back suffers. Yeah. So we, from the beginning of our relationship, we've had sex every day, if not three times a day. The only time we don't is if I'm away travelling. Yep. or if my back was sore or whatever but at the moment what I do is I just limit how much work I do I actually I'm I really I'm at a point now where I'm financially stable enough to cut my workload in half and um, we see each other every day so it's easy for us to have sex every day if we want to yep. and and yeah just because I really enjoy sex I'm never really going to turn it down
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so he's lucky like that yeah. I'm lucky he can keep up honestly <laughs>
0: Well, I've spoke to a couple of women that have been in that same space where one of their complaints was mm-hmm. that, you know, they did have extremely high sex drives where they're outdoing doing they, they, their partners grapple to keep up. And then when they yeah. grapple to keep up, obviously, most men then fall into a place of insecurity.
1: Oh, yes. Because they feel like they're not satisfying their partner.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely, and that that becomes an issue. So, I mean, it, it's great the way that you juggle it. It's fascinating the way in which you're able to place everything, and also the way in which you talk about, like, I'm probably feel a little bit uncomfortable in 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 saying, you know, you're comfortable with being called a slut. There's everything in me that wants to to turn that around. Yeah but not in the way in which you described it. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Like
1: I understand that and I still understand that the negative connotation to that word definitely Yeah, well
0: you spun it round and 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 you're really you you're owning the space that you're in. You're like this is what I do and and mm. without creating a new word and and yeah. perhaps that's what you should do even though no one would understand it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true. Right. There's right. one of those things where you go, the negative connotation, like slut was is designed as a negative connotation. Yeah. You know, you know, where you've got loose morals and you, you're not saying that you've got loose morals. No. You're saying, no, I'm I'm very well aware of what I'm doing I'm in control of what I'm doing. I yes. choose to do this. I love to do this. And yes. not only that, if you're not happy with that, that's mm-hmm. a you problem, not a me problem.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> Um, and I think that's very, very powerful. So you know, it's one of those things. But and that's the space you own it. So it's incredible how you've got touch points everywhere. Yes. So without question, you know, I just go, that's 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 amazing. What other areas do you think, or what message would you like to put out there to to anyone in relation to this space to see it in a different light, to see people like you in a different light?
1: Yeah. I think it's it's really what I would really like from people is to just be a little bit more open-minded and less judgmental yeah. and to try and really think about, you know, why that they might have an angry or hurtful or judgmental response or attitude to people in this space because yeah. it could just come down to their upbringing or their hurt themselves, they're angry about something in their own life. We all know that, right? It's yeah. sort of a bit of projection, isn't it? Yeah. That That's what I want, you know, because th- there was one incident in mine and my partner's life where he lost a close friend, a close female friend because she found out what it is that I do and judged me harshly for it and verbally abused me in a public, public space and she forced him to choose between me and her. And, of course, he chose me because I'm his girlfriend. So um, he lost her because she had a really hard-held belief that what I was doing was disgusting. Yeah. But she didn't know me before. She only met me a few times before she found out that I was an escort. Where if she knew me before, she'd know that what I do for work has nothing to do with who I am as a person and how I can contribute to society and that my main goal in life is to raise three beautiful, healthy, happy children. Yeah. You know, no one really thinks about, That everyone thinks about the job and and the sex involved, and people are still so they still find it so hard to talk about sex because they still think it's taboo. Sex is still still a taboo topic this day and age. It's unbelievable. We have to have sex to create to procreate. We have to do it every day. We do it every day. If not every day, every week, every month, it happens and it feels good. It makes us feel amazing. Yet society just doesn't want us talking about it and doesn't accept the fact that it is just a part of life and they don't like the whole you pay for sex as well they just think it's dirty and disgusting so i guess anyway i'm sort of rambling a little bit the message is no not at all,
0: not at all. i think <laughs> I just, you're passionate just, about it
1: i am very passionate about it in fact the reason i started my youtube channel initially was to try and combat this issue of stigma in the adult industry yeah and yeah, so that's what I want. I, I just want people to challenge their beliefs. Maybe I heard that from you. Maybe it was you. <laughs> is it you who said that you've got to like every six months or whatever? Maybe it was you. Maybe it was someone else. It's something that you would say every six months or a few months or a year, you're allowed to challenge your beliefs and, yeah. and really think about what is it that I'm believing now? Does it still serve me in my life and my future? Yep. Because you can change your beliefs anytime.
0: Yeah? yeah. Well at the end of the day, you know, beliefs come from so many places. And it's interesting you, you say that because I, I've been working it through a few things because I work with a lot of people that are overthinkers. Yeah. Right. Where well, your beliefs come from your thoughts. Yes. So they start as your deliberate thoughts and you start telling yourself stories, you know. Mm. So for those that yeah. don't have self-worth. They're telling themselves that they're not worthy, that they, you know, they, they don't they shouldn't expect the same as others and, and all these sorts of things,
1: which yeah. ends up
0: going to their subconscious mind. Yeah. Right. You know, from their subconscious mind, it starts transferring into to their rules and their beliefs. Mm. which they then respond in behavior. Yeah. But all comes from your thoughts and and absolutely you've always got to challenge your thoughts. You know I believe in this world continuous improvement is the mindset we should all have. Definitely. Um, we should be looking at growing all the time, we should be talking at listening, talking about like having these sorts of discussions where instead of giggling behind closed doors and never ever having spoke to anyone that's actually in this space. And Yeah. F- judgment to mm. actually put your ego and humility at the door you know yeah. and come in ha, naked if you like yes. right yes. and and hear this you know mm. and hear it from someone and that's what i thought was beautiful talking to you because you know yes people can see a picture of you and go wow form a judgment and then you go yes you got a psychology degree
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh what then here you talk and go oh, she's articulate yeah, mm. And that this this is a, although it was a choice based on, you know, a, a financial situation at the yeah. time, mm. you had choice. Yes. You, you were working in a professional field, you know, yeah. you could have moved into, picked back up on psychology, and in yeah. fact, it's in your back pocket, so when time sort of gets to a certain thing, you know, I've noticed you've also got, I think it's a production company now, so even when, as time goes on, you can go on both sides of that fence. Yeah. But you've also got a degree in your back pocket to move forward. So you're actually very well in control of you, your emotions, where you're at, what you're doing, and yep. you own the space. You can't not respect that.
1: Yeah, people absolutely.
0: May, people may not necessarily understand with it. People may not necessarily agree with it. Mm. And, you know, that, like, it. We look at it on this side of the fence and go, that's okay. We accept you for not accepting it. Yeah. How about you so, do the same?
1: <laughs> yeah, because you can still not accept something, but yeah. you don't have to bring hate and judgment as well. Yeah. There's plenty of things that I don't accept in life, but I just move on from that. I don't try to cause pain to those people. Yeah. So, yeah, and people just don't really understand when it comes to this industry too. And well, what I do is that the extent of everything that I do, like it's not even just escorting and porn. I've got the production company. I I am a naked news reporter. I'm also developing a website for the adult industry. So you've obviously heard of OnlyFans.
0: I have. I've been asked yeah. to join. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. How come you I'm, just I'm, laughed at me? <laughs> no, I laugh. No, I laugh because OnlyFans... It does, it covers uh, motivational speakers, you know, life coaches, personal trainers, and porn stars. And I just got an image of you joining as a porn star. So, (laughs) and I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh because I thought that was ridiculous. I think I just got a bit embarrassed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's something funny. I had someone put on the uh, on one of my posts, and that you know, uh, you know, I think you should join OnlyFans, and they got onto my Instagram. I'd love you to join. I'd love to see pictures of you. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. like, and they're like, Yeah, I'd love to see pictures of your feet.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, the feet thing. they don't even it's want so pictures
0: popular. of me. They just want my bloody broken feet.
1: Easy, easy money. <laughs> I'm
0: like, really. But I didn't even know when I went on OnlyFans because the only place I had heard of OnlyFans mm. was TikTok.
1: Yes. Yeah. I thought yeah. it
0: was a TikTok thing.
1: Yeah. No, no. It's been around for like a good five years. And that's where all of us adult content creators do our own porn and have been able to work and earn money through the whole COVID lockdown and everything. There are but, coaches so, on it. Pardon? Yeah. You can, those life coaches fitness coaches. It doesn't have to be formed. Yeah, that's just a subscription-based website where you can get people to subscribe and you can provide information. So it's another way of earning money. Mm. But so in in Australia, over COVID, the OnlyFans community just boomed because that's how um, strippers and escorts were now earning money, by selling their nudes and, you know, solo sex tapes and stuff like that online. Now, what's happened is... Now there's this little mini community of like sort of wannabe porn stars who do scenes together and um, put it on OnlyFans and we all work together as a community. There's new people who want to join. There's so many people who are like, I've always wanted to be a porn star. How do I join? How do I contact people to work with them? Because there's no, there's no like, there's no like, um, regulations or anything like that because oh, okay. essentially porn is sort of illegal in Australia right so i'm des- i'm designing a website that is like a directory listing of content creators so that they can find other content creators to work with right and it's almost like because the only way that we're able to find other content creators is through instagram but no one wants to get a message on instagram from some guy saying hey do you want to do content together? Because it, it seems like they're just trying to get sex. Yeah. So I'm designing a website and it'll also provide information on how to run OnlyFans, you know, how to promote it, do marketing, advertising, and also information around uh, sexual health and stuff like that too. Because yeah. when I first started collaborating with other people, not everyone was even aware of the fact that you should get tested before you start filming sex scenes with each other. So yeah. I started implementing that. And I've already got like um, Stigma Health on board on the website to be an affiliate and to start promoting that and yeah. provide information about consent and costs of selling videos and all that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm the website's almost done.
0: A lot of work building a website.
1: Well, I've actually, I did my own, which is just a shit Wix website, but I've employed a branding agency to do it because it's never been done before and it's needed at the moment. So I'm like, I'm just handing it off to someone else. And it's still hard work when you're not even fucking doing it yourself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 My website is Wix and I'm getting it rebuilt by someone else. And yeah, so much. Torture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely is. Well, I think that has been an incredible episode. I don't know how long we've gone, but I think we've covered off on a fair bit. So, I mean, it's one of those things that... You know, I often say watch your space because we might do quite a few. We might do a series. Yeah. What I do have coming up is we're actually going to start exploring, you know, the kink side of things because yeah. a lot of people I work with actually have either been in the kink, are curious about the kink scene. Yeah. And also just to get some more awareness and knowledge around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, cool. so we're going to be looking looking at that too. So, you know, you've got knowledge in these spaces. So I have no doubt we'll go again. So in conclusion, I think the message that we want to get out there is we have met an incredible woman who has come from an abusive background, become educated in psychology and has decided you know, as a complete full woman to move into an industry that so many of us don't understand. And we need to lose the stigma of people in here are less than because as we've met today, Lucy, you are incredible and you are truly inspiring the way in which you own your space. It's been a privilege to talk with you, a privilege to meet you. Now I'm going to hand over for a Stay Strong.
1: Stay Strong.